You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories and to leave a comment. What's going on in your world? You know, uh, things are good. I'm coaching my two grandsons in Little League basketball. How old are they? Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Uh And you're coaching. I'm coaching. Now, now uh, be very honest. Be very honest. It's not easy coaching a relative. You know, my dad was my coach when I played ninth grade basketball in the junior high. And it was a little hard for him because he didn't want to show favoritism. But yet he still wanted to let me play. So. Uh, anyway, it's it's good. It's fun. I was going to be there anyway, so I just will be there coaching them. Well, good for you. So it's fun. Anyway. Memorable experiences as they take you out and tar and feather you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, last week, Zeb, we talked about uh, the uh, freight wagons. We did. And I came across something that kind of goes along with that. It's uh, We're going to talk about the stagecoaches and some of the things that happened, some of the events and uh, that took place there. But, you know, the vehicle that really caught the spirit of the American West was the stagecoach. For over 50 years, you know, it rattled across the desert and through the mountains. And really, if you think about it, a stagecoach has been in existence for hundreds of years, if you look back in Europe. So there really hasn't been a lot of change up until the trains started coming across uh, you, across the prairies. The thing I, I'd like to say, first of all, before you start talking about stagecoaches, and nobody knows more about stagecoaches than Ray Bagby out of Declo. Yeah. But, you know, in the movies and TV, westerns and everything, the stagecoach would come into town and the people would step off the stage and they were all clean and neat. Uh-uh. We're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> we're going to get to that. So basically, you know, staging was dirty, it was dangerous, it was slow, and I've got a few short stories that I'm going to talk about, things that happened there. So there's a guy by the name of Jack Martin. He reined up his team at the edge of a stream, and he was driving stage out of Northern California. Now, the roads were pretty sloppy, it had been raining, it was muddy, uh, but the people before uh, the closest town said, no, the stream's okay, you can cross the stream. Okay, so picture this. It's 6 o'clock on a bright moonlight night in December 1867, so it's dark. And the water was running fast and running high. He leaned over the side of the mud-spattered coach and called out to his passengers, quote, I'm taking her across the creek, so hang on to your hats. Wake up that darn drunk or he'll be falling all over you people. And then he got a response that was blub, 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 (laughs) blub. Almost. (laughs) So inside the stage, there was a a drunk guy by the name of Hamilton, and there were two travelers plus uh, two Chinese guys, and uh, old... uh, Jack Martin just had him, he says, okay, hang on, here we go. Well, the crossing was rough, the hub deep water at one point nearly entering into the coach. Suddenly, a log jam broke loose upstream. Oh, no. And a wall of water came crashing, rushing down, smashing the stage over onto its side, dragging the passengers and the horses downstream in a mass of, well, you can imagine, splintered wood. The, The harnesses tangled. What a mess. And a moment later... A huge 
<laughs> Folks, I'm dodging a fly here and trying to tell this story. He and landed Zeb, right on his lip. Right on my lip. Okay, let's get back to this. Okay, stagecoach is going downstream. It's being smashed. You got uh, a log hit the coach. Uh, the passengers were out of sight. They didn't know where they were. The drunk guy actually was the only one to lose his life, and he was found drowned about three and a half miles downstream. Oh so my. you know it had to be a pretty fast-moving stream. What river was that in? I don't know. It was over by Sacramento somewhere. Oh, okay. But the two Chinese passengers had somehow managed to get ashore and had run to get help. Martin, the driver, was found a mile downstream, and he was okay. The other passenger spent several hours in the water hanging on to a tree mm. because he couldn't get to shore. Well, the next day they found the stagecoach located way downstream on a sandbar. What about the horses? Don't know. Oh. I, I'm going to assume they probably drowned because oh. they were, you know, they were in the harnesses. Yeah. So they probably could not have gotten wow. away. But you know, transportation uh, in California in 1849 it really grew literally by leaps and bounds, and travel was limited to first, of course, to horseback. Then they used those two-wheeled carts. You know, those Mexican carts that usually yeah. had like one horse or yeah. or a mule. Yeah. And uh, then. A few people with privately owned buggies or wagons, that's how the public transportation started. Like, just even an old buckboard, they would maybe load up people and take them from one town to the next and charge them so much. But in 1849, there's a guy named James Birch. He began hauling passengers between Sacramento and the mines in an old ranch wagon uh, drawn by Broncos, Bronc horses. And about the same time, a guy by the name of John Whistom began operation of a public coach system between San Francisco and San Jose. Now, his vehicle was an ancient French, they call it an omnibus buggy, and I'm not quite sure what that looks like. I think, uh, Dr. History, it was where the driver sat up on a high kind of a perch, and it looked like a long wagon behind him with uh, little seats involved in the, like benches. Right. I think that sounds right. But he went between San Francisco and San Jose. And he charged $32 or two ounces of gold dust for that nine-hour trip. Really? So that's kind of expensive. But, you know, the service provided by these men was irregular. It was uncomfortable. But the stagecoach era had dawned on old California. What kind of amenities did they offer, though? I mean, well, stop we'll and eat that. prime rib or whatever? Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. So here we are. It's 1849. Now, the first United States mail agent arrived in San Francisco with instructions to establish five post offices in the state of California. Now, it was serviced by individual writers who had volunteered to carry letters to and from the mines. Now, these lone horsemen soon evolved into pack trains, mule trains, and they were carrying gold out of the mines. And before long, packages were being carried. Gold was being exchanged. You know, the pack mules and the wagons uh, then gave way to the stagecoaches. Hmm. So it just kind of evolved from really from horseback onto wagons, then to stagecoaches and the express company. Like Wells Fargo and a dozen other companies went into business. So how many could they hold? You know, I, I think I've mentioned that to Ray when I had him on the program. I think stagecoaches could hold what, like uh, six or seven well, or eight people right now. I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. you're going to be. You might be surprised at oh, that. Okay. Anyway, so the private stagecoach companies were developing rapidly. The first real stagecoaches in California were fourteen. 
13 passenger, what they call mud wagons, which had been brought across the plains. And before this time, any type of vehicle had been used. They called it a coach. But in 1854, it saw stages in operation to every part of, uh, of the state of California. They were going all over the place. Now, in 1850, another milestone in California, staging was reached when the first Concord coach arrived in San Francisco. They, those were the nice ones, the Concord. Uh-huh. It had been shipped around the Horn, out, around South America. That for, took a long time. Oh, yeah, like three or four months. It came from Mass- Concord, Massachusetts. It was a beautiful, uh, as it was just a beautiful uh, wagon uh, coach. You know, it was durable. It was rugged, made of the best wood, painted bright red, trimmed in yellow with scenic murals decorating the doors. Comparable to the Wells Fargo stuff. Yeah, coach. I mean, these were really nice. These yeah. were the yeah. Cadillac of the bunch. Yeah. But the body of the coach, another good thing, is it rested on two thick, what they call through braces, or leather straps, and that permitted the coach to kind of rock gently like back this. and forth yeah. Yeah, when it hit a bump. Yep. So... Excuse me. Nine passengers could be seated inside, while at least a dozen more could ride on top. Okay, now that's going to you got to be kidding me. That's going to come back to haunt us here in a minute. I got to right. drink. So you're talking about uh, uh, 21 people? Yeah, on a wagon. Yeah. Oh my good, including the driver. Including the driver. And so they, the passengers and all these people were crammed inside and on outside the coach. How did they pull all that weight? Well, just no. Here's the other thing: the Concord coach. Weighed over a ton. It was so the coach itself was heavy, uh, but it was um, you know it was a well built machine. And then twenty one people. Yeah. And evidently, could they take suitcases? Oh yeah, they had to take whatever they needed, their luggage. So that's a lot. It was loaded. Holy smokes! But then here we have now coming on the scene. We have the stage driver. And this, uh, you know, the the drama of the stage driver and the coach was coming into existence. And these guys were a remarkable breed. They held a position of popular, almost reverence, you know. When they walked in the room, people got quiet. And, you know, they reveled these men uh, as being the top heroes, really, in a way. Re- the stage driver. The driver, you know. Really? And the driver, uh, they say he prides himself in being expert in his profession. Now... A money tip from a passenger would be regarded as an insult by a stage driver. How things have changed. But but he would graciously accept a cigar or a glass of liquor. I see, but no money. No, don't give me any money. Now, one of the most famous of the California drivers was a guy by the name of Hank Monk, who had driven uh, a guy by the name of Horace Greeley. Uh Oh, go west, young man. Yes, and he was the editor of the New York Tribune. Well... Uh, the story is told that Greeley told Hank, he says, i got to be in Placerville by 7 o'clock tonight. So Hank Monk, uh, he took off, and as the stage rattled over the narrow mountain roads and faster and faster, pretty soon Greeley cared less and less about what time he got there as the fact that he was hoping he just got there. Because <laughs> Hank Monk got him there on time. Okay, Another driver. Charlie Parkhurst. Have you heard that name? I have. Well, you're going to remind you. I'll tell you. Okay. Was another California legend who drove stage for many years, known as One-Eyed Charlie. After receiving a horse kick in the face, Parkhurst eventually retired to a small farm and passed away in December of 1879. When friends came to prepare the body for burial, it was discovered that the former stage driver was a woman.
Charlie was Oh, you not had Char- that story on yeah. about a year ago. Yeah. And, and Charlie was a, was a woman. A transgender. <laughs> no, she was a woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> but she was a heck of a, a stage driver. But anyway, then there's a guy named Curly Bill. Curly, uh, Curly now, Bill. I heard I've read stories and, about okay. Curly Bill. He once he was kind of a tough guy and yeah. you'll see why. He was mean. He once yanked an army officer out of his coach for insulting a lady passenger. The soldier was ejected with such force that the door frame came out with him. So you didn't mess with Curly Bill. It sounds to me like he had uh, kind of a temper problem. Okay. So here we go. Here's another one. A bad na- man by the name of El Macho. El- now, doesn't that fit? El Macho. El Macho. <laughs> he came riding up to a guy by the name of Watts on his stage one morning in 1858. Galloping alongside the coach, El Macho poked his pistol into the face of a passenger. Luckily, the pistol misfired. When Watts from the driver's seat objected, El Macho aimed at him. But again, his weapon failed to go off. Enough was enough, and Watt, Watts leaned over from his seat and spat out a stream of tobacco juice, which struck El Macho right in the eyes. <laughs> okay, Watts then pulled up his coach. Uh, he grabbed a shotgun. It was kind of unnecessary, however, however, because El Macho was frantically soaking his head in a horse trough. Now, I don't know how strong that tobacco juice was, but it was enough to stop that uh, bad man. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a good old spit of tobacco. And this is all documented. Oh, yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay. Really? So, Okay, here's another guy. His name was Ross. He thought it would be funny when he drove so close to an opposition coach that it slipped over the edge of a bluff. In other words, he ran him off the road. Okay, he abruptly stopped and he was laughing until an irate passenger from the other wrecked coach came over and shot him with the shotgun. Uh, Okay, you know they were they were low on customer service. (laughs) Yeah, but you know they were tough. They were a profane breed and they had great pride in the. Well, did they have shotgun guards? You haven't mentioned that. Sometimes, 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 yeah. Eventually, as robberies came about, yeah, then they started having somebody ride shotgun. Have you ever ridden on a stagecoach? Yeah, I have. They're they're not smooth. Uh, No. i got a picture of one right over there I'm on. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, like I say, they were tough, but they had the skill. Now, in Sacramento, if you can picture this, Sacramento, here's 20 or 30 stagecoaches drawn up in front of a hotel. Ready to get started for the day to the mines or wherever they were going. So here comes a bunch of passengers out. They're mingling with the animals and the coaches trying to find their stage. Okay, because each stage is going to a different place. And they, had, they didn't have them marked or anything? Well, I, I don't know how they did it, but somehow they had to, They had a man there, a, a, uh, a person to direct them, said, okay, this one, we're going here. This one, we're going there. He was called the stage master. Stage, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so they get into their seat. Now, here's an interesting term I had not heard. They called these guys, uh, they called the reins ribbons. Have you ever heard that term? They call- i got to be honest with you. Of all the books I've ever read and everything, I thought, the- what do you keep waving at me for? <laughs> I just try to get your attention. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> they called them. I've the- heard reins. I've never heard ribbons. They, this, is, this is called the men who handled the ribbons. Really? That's what, a term that I had not heard before. Okay. <clears throat> so anyway, they get on. They've got either a four or six horse team. Uh, in a few minutes, the stages are ready. Now, 
again, I mentioned there's competition between the stage lines, and these clerks are running around trying to get people to get on their stage for the best price. What, well, I was going to ask you, what did it cost to take a stage? Oh, well, I mentioned that one was $32, but that was for a nine-hour ride. Okay. So it just depended on how far. Now, there is one story that's told about a guy who was sitting in the stagecoach, and uh, he was going to go to where he was going for 5 bucks, $5. Okay. Okay. A guy from another stage came over and said, hey, I'll take you for $4. Okay, uh-huh. so he got out and got in that stage. Uh-huh. But it was uh, the wrong way. No, oh. <laughs> they were both going the same place. Okay. So then this guy comes back and says, hey, I'll take you for $3. Oh, boy. So he gets in that stage. I see. The other guy comes back. Hey, this I'll, guy's getting tired. He's going back and forth. Yeah. Goes to the next one. Hey, I'll take you for $2. $2. Okay, then the other guy comes back. I'll take you for $1. Uh-huh. <laughs> Finally, after moving back and forth between stages, the last guy says, I will take you for nothing. And he said, uh, here's what he said, quote, well, old fellow, old fellow, he finally puts in, sorry to make you so much trouble, but get back in here and I will carry you for nothing, pay for your dinner, and give you all the whiskey you can drink on the way. Well, that would appear to me when you say that, that the stage operators weren't very good business people. <laughs> well, he didn't make anything on that, you know. You can see why. Yeah. But, you know... Uh, uh, a holdup was perhaps the most dramatic incident in early California. You know, the stagecoach trip, uh, there would be a variety of other hazards, but getting robbed was, you know, obviously one of the, one you of the know, hazards. And, and there's something I want you to elaborate on a little bit, the stages, if they had a shotgun uh, driver or not, along with the driver. And the people inside, probably many of them had arms. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So and to, one to guy, it. one guy rides out in front of a stage and says, "Stop! We're going to yeah. have a holdup." Mm, I question that. Well, so you know, and if the elements and the nature of road agents and robbers weren't bad enough, you know, the passengers had to endure poor accommodations, terrible food, miserable roads, overloaded coaches. What happens if one person all of a sudden raised their hand and said, "I got to go to the bathroom"? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I didn't cover that part. Okay, but you know, they in towns either. and cities, the stage passengers were usually able to be put up in a halfway decent hotel but in the mining towns you know there wasn't much there for them to stay overnight really uh, so, that's a good question where did they stay i mean i'm gonna guess they just camped just built a fire and just had a campfire and just slept out on the ground but here's an incident that was kind of unusual okay this is reported in the san joaquin republican newspaper out of stockton california san joaquin Oh, San Joaquin. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Under the heading, An Ugly Customer. And it says, The following narrow escape was recorded a few nights ago as one of the California Stage Company's coaches was coming down the hill on the Hennis Turnpike just beyond the Junction House. A large grizzly bear suddenly arose on the upper side of the grade and placed his forefeet on the driver's seat as though with the intention of climbing aboard. The weight of the monster was so great as to come near overturning the coach, passengers, and all down the hill. How did he get up there? Terrified, (laughs) the horses sprang forward, and the would-be passenger was left sprawling beside the road. Wow. Well, you're out in the hills, you know. And yeah. This bear just ambles up. And yeah, but he just I, got the top of a hill, so he was stopped. When a bear is ambling, like you said, towards you, and yeah. you're standing outside the stage or the door is open, why not just shut the door? <laughs> well, no, it, this is up where the driver is. 
Well, he got up there with the driver? Yeah, he was up well, there. Well, then why didn't the driver drive away? Well, he let <laughs> a bear climb up on the stage. Well, he didn't horses, have any money to pay for the ride. The horses took off. Oh. <laughs> that took care of that. Okay. But uh, anyway, you know, the competition between the rival stage lines was pretty lively in the early days. Uh, most of the time, stage drivers, when meeting on the road, would stop their teams and engage in friendly, if not maybe a little profane conversation. You know, uh, just oh, yeah. like, you know, right here, a couple of farmers are driving by, they stop and yeah, just visit. When you come in here, we've got to yeah, really we, watch your language. I, yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but this was not always the case of having a friendly conversation. Uh, sometimes the rivalry, rivalry became a little too too tough. There's a guy at the name of Oscar Case. He was driving coach for the California Stage Company out of Sacramento. He approached a rival stage one day in 1858. Apparently, Case had it in for this other stage and its driver, and he actually rammed into the other stage. The two drivers stopped their teams, and before anyone knew what was happening, one of the passengers grabbed a shotgun and blasted Case, wounding him critically. Really? So, so the passengers did jump in on these things. But, you know, Indians were never really the trouble in California as they were in other parts of the country. So, like, if you had a stage trip in Arizona, you were more susceptible. Right, exactly. But there were some serious outbreaks uh, uh, of Indians coming and robbing. So, as I mentioned, you know, Indians really were never the trouble in California that they were in other parts, like, you know, Arizona, Montana, place like that. Uh, But there were some uh, serious outbreaks on record. There's a guy by the name of Jerry Curly Robbins, his nickname Curly. Well, he was somewhat of a celebrity, as stage drivers go, not only for his considerable skill while handling, and I'm going to use that term, handling the ribbons or the reins, but because he had a twin brother doing the same thing. So here we go. Jerry was driving a California stage company coach out of Eureka one day in August of 1856. I've been there. Yeah. He had no passengers and had just left a place called Hat Creek Station when he was suddenly surprised by a hail of arrows from an Indian ambush. With a yell, he gave the horses their head and commenced a 17-mile run to the next station, a place called Jack's Hills, Jack Hills Ranch. Now, 17 miles, Zeb, on a dead run with a horse. Now, he was with the stage, right? Yeah, he was okay. on the stage. This is the part that I wanted to ask you about this morning, is the fact that on TV, the old television show, Wells Fargo, etc., they always showed the stages running the horses at a gallop. That didn't happen. Oh, absolutely not. That did not happen. No. So, with the yell, you know, he gave the horses their head, and they took off on the 17-mile run. The road was rocky. It was bad enough so that it took all of Jerry's skill to maintain control. And the Indians are after Yeah. And he was too busy to notice that there were some arrows sticking through his clothes. The coach bounced over boulders and over rocks and everything until suddenly one of the through braces, which is that leather uh, thing that the the yeah. coach rides on, um, it, it snapped, and a moment later, the coach and the horses parted company. Oh, look out, like okay. in the movies. Now, Jerry was pulled to the ground, but luckily the animal stopped, and he got to his feet. He unhooked the team from the stage. The Indians were obviously after the horses. That's all they wanted. They didn't want the stage. Um, so, uh, anyway, he uh, got on, he, he mounted one of the horses, and he took off. And uh, left the rest behind, but he was determined to save his stock. He didn't want to leave him behind. So uh, 
during this whole fight, there were arrows coming at him. Picture this, okay? He's on one horse trying to save the other horses, and arrows are being... <laughs> it's, like a, wow, yeah. it's like a Wild West political convention. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, so like I say, he jumped on the back of one of the horses, and he rode the whole team into this place called Hills Ranch, and a short time later, the station attendants uh, lifted him from his uh, horse and quickly... Asked to get a doctor to tend to his 16 arrow wounds. He had 16 16. in him? Yeah. The Indians had burned the stage. Good thing it didn't rain. Oh, but uh, Curly, uh, he lived to drive drive some more. No, 16 16. arrows? So they must have just been little arrows. He must have looked like a turkey (laughs) when he got there. Oh, man. But, you know, the real terror of the stagecoach days were the accidents. And although stage line officials did all they could to play down this part of the business, wrecks were frequent enough that they sometimes just were ignored. It just happened a lot. They had to use common sense because those uh, stages, I would imagine, were very top-heavy. The one I was on. And again, we mentioned overloading was indeed a primary cause of accidents, as many of the old newspaper accounts attest. In fact, when the Auburn stage arrived at Folsom one day in May of 1856, the driver executed a sharp turn in front of a hotel. The coach was top-heavy with baggage. You asked about that. And midway in the turn, the coach flipped over on its side, smashing into the sidewalk. And what about the passengers? Uh, Well, they just got out and lifted it back up. I see. (laughs) I was glad they could drop in. Yeah. And uh, another report in a a paper called the Sacramento Union reported a similar accident in 1857, said the driver drove his team at what was described as, quote, a furious pace. In other words, he was going like heck. (laughs) And as he turned the corner at a place called Hunton Street, the coach flipped over on his side and smashed things generally. That's what they said. The driver held on to the reins, kept the horses in check, and within 10 minutes, the coach had been righted and was on its way as if nothing had happened. And it didn't smash it all up? Didn't hurt it. Really? What about the people inside? I don't know if there was anybody in there or not. Oh, my goodness. But uh, now here again, narrow mountain roads, which were the majority, they weren't very wide. Yeah. Uh, they were rutted, yeah. rocks. And these were, you know, just a accident waiting to happen. Now, here, here's one of my favorite stories right here, because this you could throw into a television or a movie, all right? It's the winter of 1855. A California straight stage out of Shasta was plunging over a bad stretch of road when the driver was suddenly thrown from his seat. He got thrown off. Thrown off. The horses immediately ran away and stampeded down the road at a, a, what they say, a frightful pace. In other words, I'm going to say they were going like heck. (laughs) The outside passengers jumped off. So the guys on the outside, they they just bailed. On the top? Yeah, they bailed. Okay, And it looked as if there would be a bad smash-up with uh, the inevitable crash. Okay, so get this, Ed. This is a TV moment. Okay. One of the inside passengers was an off-duty messenger for the Pacific Express Company, a Mr. Lusk. Okay. As soon as he realized the situation, Lusk climbed from inside the coach to the driver's box, and from there he jumped onto the tongue of the stage. From there he jumped to the back of the rear horse, 
and gathered up the reins and managed to stop the coach with its passengers. Wow. Now, that is... Just the, <laughs> like the old John Wayne movies. Exactly. I, yeah. That's what I thought of. But it really happened. Holy smokes. So, but, you know, aside from Rex, uh, a stage trip could be a pretty miserable experience. Now, picture this again. Summer heat. Nine passengers seated in a coach on a hot summer day. One can kind of imagine the discomfort uh, when a weekly bath was the normal and no deodorants. Okay. Now, whenever a stage came to a steep grade, the passengers were made to dismount and continue to the top of a hill on foot. They had yeah. to walk. Okay. Okay. And men on particularly steep grades were asked to help by pushing on the rear of the coach. Yeah. So you had to help. Now, Bad as stage travel could be in the summer, winter was even worse. Oh. I mean, the coaches and the teams, they fought the mud. It must have been cold inside. Oh, yeah. The winter streams. uh, A particularly rough winter trip took place in December of 1874 between Reading and Eureka. Now, here's what happened. Twice, this coach sank sank up to the wheel hubs in mud. In other Mm. words, half the wheel is buried in mud. And you're not going anywhere. And the passengers had to get out, walking through the mud... To get to solid ground, so you can picture this, but you know, about a mile and a half past uh, what they call the Slate Creek Station, just after dark, the driver misjudged the distance on a bridge, and the right wheels slipped off the bridge. The coach fell sideways off the bridge and into this little gully. Landing on its top, landed upside down. So landed upside down. That's the driver was going. Oops. Yeah, darn. Yeah, you know, or whatever. Yeah, and the passengers, the male, they were all in a big tangle of arms and legs. Didn't kill them. Well, miraculously, no one was seriously injured. Really. And the driver finally managed to get. But they're laying upside down in the water. Well, it's a gully. Just so they're not really in water. You say gully, I say water. They still (laughs) tipped upside down. They were upside down. Anyway. So, obviously, there was no way for them to get the coach back on the road. It was decided they would have to walk back to the last station. In mile, the snow. In the snow and the mud, a uh, mile and a half to get help. So, off they went into this pitch black night. They didn't have any flashlights. So, they're slogging their way through mud in darkness. Well, as they're going along, the, some lights were sighted off in the darkness. Uh-huh. The party assumed it was the station and headed toward them, only to find they'd been led away from the road by the campfire of an Indian. Well, no, that's not all that. So now they're lost. Yeah, now they're really in trouble. <laughs> well, not really, because the Indian was a friendly guy. Oh. So the group finally reached the station, and the driver took some men back out to get the coach, and at dawn, the stage was in front of the station, ready to go as if nothing happened. So it didn't really destroy the stage. It must have been a well-built stage. I'm thinking of all the programs that you could do on the clothing of the Old West and the footwear of the Old West and and the guns of the Old West, all attributed to the stagecoach drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, there's a a Mrs. Bates. uh, She recalled a story back in the 1850s, and here's what she said. She said, one night, about 11 o'clock, she wrote, a lady came into the hotel at Marysville looking more dead than alive. She was leading a little girl about 11 years of age who was in the same plight as her mother. They were both covered with bruises, scratches, and blood with their clothes torn and dirty. They were coming back from a place about 40 miles from Marysville. The coach was all enclosed as it was a rather cool night in the mountains in the evening. All at once they found themselves turning somersaults. The coach was overturned down a steep bank. 
The driver was seriously hurt, and so were some of the horses, but the inside passengers escaped without really any serious injury. So it amazes me the accidents that people had that didn't really kill them, you know? I mean, they were inside the no seat belts. <laughs> Holy you know? smokes. And when you're inside those coaches, uh, again, because both you and I have been inside and on stage coaches, uh, going over a hill or an embankment or a cliff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're going to be thrown around like one of those lottery dice. Yes. But, you know, even under good conditions, uh, freak accidents could occur. In 1874, uh, there was a stage out of Reading that was traveling at a very slow pace because it was a dark night. Mm-hmm. Well, lanterns on the side of the coach were burning pretty bright, but because of the steam raising from the horse's backs, and you've seen that, yeah. uh, on a cold night, the steam yeah. will come off a, a sweaty horse. Sure. So it was kind of a fog was formed that kind of obscured the driver's vision, and he drove his coach off a small bridge. Luckily, the little gulch was shallow and no damage was done. So even going slow, accidents happen. But stage drivers were a lot of times injured or killed in the line of duty. There's a guy named Harry Lee was driving stage out of Big Valley one day in 1884. It had been raining all day, and when he came to a place called Oak River, he determined to try and cross, even though the stream was swollen, it was dangerous, it was fast-moving. Why would they take the chance? Well, several people at the crossing tried to persuade him not to attempt, but he just, you know, there, I think there's some ego involved, oh, a little yeah. pride. I can do it. I can do it. So he was determined to op- uphold his record for bringing his coach through on time, and he had too much confidence in his ability. <clears throat> uh, he, didn't, he didn't want a little water scare him A on. little water. Yeah. Okay. Well... He had a difficult time crossing the same stream at a lower ford that he'd done earlier. But he took his team out into the rapidly rising current, despite the horses having to swim. Oh, my. Now now you see how deep we're talking. He's in trouble. Yeah. So the stage had almost made it across when it hit a sandbar. Lee was thrown into the water. He was carried downstream and drowned. That was the last trip for him. He didn't get a chance to brag about that trip. The horses managed to keep their heads up until a man actually rode out from the other side, cut them loose from the stage, and saved the horses. And luckily, no passengers were uh, drowned either. They made it as well. But the driver, that was his last hurrah. Yeah. Okay, another guy named Bill Sullaway. He was driving stage towards Sacramento. He was thrown off his seat. And between the feet of his horses, when his coach had uh, hit a stump in the road, well, he managed to hang on to the reins. Now, picture this, that he was being dragged along the ground under the stage, hanging on to the reins while his horses are going. Okay? Well, uh, one of the wheels passed over his body, and he lost his grip. Well, no, that's yeah. kind of an obvious yeah. statement. The horses promptly ran away and were stopped. Only when the coach tipped over on his side, some of the passengers were injured and jumping from the coach. But uh, those who had stayed inside were, weren't hurt. They what about were, the driver, though? Well, uh, it just says that uh, he was, it doesn't say he died. He oh. just got—he just got run over by his own stage. Just run over by yeah, a stage. You know, he, yeah, he's probably just. Back, Here you were on top to of the world on that stagecoach, and the next minute, you know, you got a great big tire or wheel back, going over back you. Back to work the next day. Yeah. Now another driver bringing his coach down a steep grade discovered that his brake was not working. Now, 
for our listeners out there, know that all these wagons had brakes. Yeah, and that's an oh darn. Yeah, that's an oh darn moment. Yeah, he right discovered there. he had no brakes. Yeah. his stage was descending a place called Myrtle Creek Hill. Oh, when the block on his brake came off, oh, the horses ran down the hill. Down the hill with the coach. With the coach nipping at their heels. Look out! When a curve was reached at the bottom, the Ain't gonna make stage it. plunged off the road. And this was sad. Wall's lifeless body was discovered some minutes later, crushed under the hub of a rear wheel. Wow. So it was dangerous. So it was, uh, it was not exactly a long-time career good job. It, it was not. It was not. I, I've got a few more stories. Do we still have a little more time? Yeah, what do you I, think? I, I just, uh, we've got about uh, two more minutes, and then I've got to do a weather forecast. And I want to re-urge everybody to go vote today. But, uh, you know, what we ought to do is get you and Bagby on the same program someday. Yeah. And talking about the stages, and then he could talk about how they're built, and then you could talk about the wrecks, and I'll just sit here. Okay, let me. Do I have time for one more story? One more story. Okay. One of the giants of California staging was a guy by the name of J.B. or Bob Crandall. And he was uh, fatally injured while driving a stage out of San Francisco. It was a dark, moonless night in November uh, <clears throat> when the horses suddenly stepped off the road into a small gully. Crandall tried to pull the horses up, but in so doing was jerked from his seat and he fell down among the rear team, the horses. Uh, right uh, right in front of the stage. Yeah. As he struggled to get to his feet, one of the animals kicked him, and Crandall's head was smashed against the wagon tongue. Oh. Okay. The, caps, he, uh, the capsized uh, stage, uh, he staggered out from underneath uh, the horses, and although his head was bleeding badly, he checked the passengers first to make sure that no one was hurt. Then, after looking after the mail, Crandall unhitched the horses, tried to lift the coach, the men couldn't get the stage up, so Crandall walked seven miles to his home and got help. And while washing his bloody head, the veteran driver collapsed, and three hours later, he was dead. Oh, my goodness. So, But he saved the people. Saved, yeah, nobody was well, I got hurt. a dumb question for you. The stage tipped over, right? Yeah, but they... they they tried to get it back up on its wheels. I know, wheels. but why didn't they hook the team up to it and then pull it upright? That is another good question. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have wrecker service back then, Zed. Well, no, but they had ropes and that, and they could have taken uh, one of the couple of the reins. Why couldn't they use the team to pull it back up? You know, right? that, that seems pretty obvious, really, doesn't it? Call I mean, him and let him know I got an answer well, for his he's, problem. He's dead. I'm, oh, okay. I'm afraid. Sorry. We don't have him anymore. Okay. Anyway. But what did you learn by all your research into the stagecoaches? Well, number one, it's not the romantic thing you see on TV or no. any of that stuff. I mean, no. it was dirty. It was cold. It was hot. You got snowbound. You got mudbound. I think I could take you the got heat robbed. Lot, I could take the heat a lot better than the cold. Yeah, you got robbed. You had the chance oh. of Indians. Yeah. I mean, there was just a lot of danger just involved. Just a typical day for Murtaugh to Burley. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the way they were built and everything, I tell you what, folks, when I got on that stage uh, in Oklahoma City, it was for a promotional event at the Coliseum, and uh, they had me ride in as the shotgun, if you will, up on the top of the stage with the driver. Oh, my. You better hang on tight. Well, and I told you before, one of the, my bucket lists is to get up to the Calgary Stampede yeah. and watch the chuck wagon races. Chuck wagon races. Yeah. Those guys basically are all the same. They're nuts. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I appreciate you filling in like this. Now, I know that you're so well-planned and organized that you have everything all ready for next week. I do. I just don't know which plan it's going to be. <laughs> plan A, B, C, C or D. D. <laughs> <laughs> but the main thing is, you know, on TV and the movies, it's too bad they didn't really depict the stagecoach and the way it was driven, et cetera, in reality, because they show them coming into town like Dodge City on a dead run and everything. You know, and just even some of these stories I've told would make a good uh, movie oh, or yeah. part of a movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. But Well, write the screenplay. <laughs> And then get a hold of Simon Winsor. He was the director of The Man from Snowy River. And I worked with him in the movie uh, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. And get a screenplay all written, and I'll see if I can't get it promoted for you. I'll I'll work on that. And I'm only going to work it for less. I'll take 35%. (laughs) You're a good man. I know. (laughs) Thank you, Doctor. We appreciate it. God bless you. Doctor History, every Tuesday, right here on Zeb at the Ranch. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.